You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. All right, well, we are back to Upside Down Church. Had a fantastic Easter last week. And here at Living Way, uh, as in every church in America, Sunday is the day that we remember the resurrected Lord, the resurrected Jesus. And uh, that's why the early church began to meet on Sundays, because it remembered uh, they were remembering uh, and it reminded them of the resurrection. Well, while Jesus walked the earth, a third of all of his teachings were parables. And of the parables, they were meant to weed out the fans from the followers because they basically declared as number one topic of discussion, the number one thing Jesus talked about was the kingdom of God. And the parables defined what it looked like and it defined who gets into the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. So today we're going to unpack one of probably one of the most important of all of the parable principles. And um, I'm pumped about it. They uh, expected an earthly kingdom, but what they got was an upside-down kingdom. Think about it like this. Jesus said that, that to give life, he had to die. To win, he says, we must lose. To be first, we must be last. To be great, we must be the least. It's all backwards. Everything about the kingdom is backwards to what our flesh and what we want to do on our own. Today cuts to the heart of this upside-down kingdom, while last week was a a declaration of the remembrance of God's great grace to forgive us. Today is an invitation to let you know that that same grace is yours to forgive others. We're going to talk about forgiveness now. How many of you would say, show of hands, forgiveness is pretty important. Yeah, forgiveness is pretty important. I think most of us would agree it's one of those, yeah, something that we need to do something that's important, something that's good. Um, It's obvious, right? But I don't think that we truly grasp how deep and how important this issue is to God, how important forgiving others is. So we're going to talk about a parable that's in Matthew 18. And before we get to the parable, I'm going to give you the story behind the story with Verse 1 of Matthew 18. So let's turn to it right now. Matthew 1, I'm sorry, Matthew 18, verse 1. It says, At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus said, The guy who has the most money is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. No, he didn't say that, did he? Uh, He said, The person who has the biggest house, who has the nicest clothes, didn't say that. The person who has the most friends on Facebook. I think that was in the modern translation. Um, He said this, who's the greatest? He called a little child to them and he placed a child among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now I'm thinking this is much like that born again thing where the guy said, how can I be born again? How can I go back into my mother's womb and be born a second time? Just, you know, I'm talking about a spiritual rebirth. I can imagine them going, uh, what, how can I become like a child again? How can I become a child again? He's talking about a spiritual attitude. He explains, says, therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now, that's pretty upside down, but we're going to talk about relationships and forgiveness. So a couple of ground rules when it comes to forgiveness, and you're going to want to write this down. The first ground rule is this. When it comes to dealing with people, when dealing with people, be the least. 
All right, because we're going to talk about today about dealing with the people who have offended you, who are who bother you, who uh, who you don't even like to look at, who are so offensive to you. And Jesus said, when it comes to dealing with people, be the least. This is not about clearing the air. This is not about getting something off your chest. This is about humility from the get-go. This is about being quick to listen, slow to speak. This is having an attitude of submission to each other. Wow, I mean, this is the opposite of everything we tend to do, right? When it comes to dealing with people. Jesus says, rule number one, when dealing with people, be the least. Be like a submissive child, not... That doesn't mean you get walked on. It just means you have this attitude of lowliness where you don't act like you're better than them. He goes on. Verse 15, he says, if your brother or sister sins, some translations have it a little bit miraculously. He says, offends you. So he's going to get a little personal now. He says, if someone offends you, if someone does something offensive, he says, just shrug it off and pretend it didn't even happen. He doesn't say that, does he? He says, if someone offends you, go and point out their fault. What? (laughs) Point it out? Don't judge, right? Well, that whole concept of judge not lest you be judged is so out of context. The whole purpose of that passage, to read the whole chapter, is, is be aware that the way that you judge is the way that you will be judged. But we are to judge the fruit of other people. We are to judge the fruit of Christians particularly, but the those that are not, they're the Lord's to judge. He says, uh, point out their fault just between the two of you, privately. Don't put it on Facebook. Don't tweet it. If they listen to, you've won them over. Some translations say you've gained a brother. He says, and if they will not listen, take one or two others along. Whoa, now we're getting serious so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. is basically like, hey, man, we've got to talk to you. <laughs> Dude, you have a problem, all right? So take somebody with you, and then it says, uh, basically, if, if they listen, man, you've gained a brother, man, awesome. Then, then uh, you've won them over. If they still refuse to listen, verse 17, tell it to the church. What? We're going to pull it in the worship bulletin. We're going to put it in the worship guide. Now we can put it on the Facebook page. Right? That's not what it means. Basically, it means to tell the leadership of the church. Tell the people who are over this people. Tell it to the assembly or the leadership assembly. That's what the word church there is, assembly. It says, tell it to the leadership assembly. If they refuse to listen to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or tax collector. Now, a lot of us think that means like, oh, in your face, you're going to hell. Oh! But that's not what it means. How did Jesus treat the pagans and the tax collectors? With love, with graciousness, with patience. But he also made it clear that they needed to know the kingdom and that they weren't in the kingdom. But he loved them into the kingdom. So here's the deal. He says, if you go through this step, then you treat them with love. All right? You treat them like they need Jesus, basically. He says, this speaks of a simple process of dealing with offenses. And there's a whole message that we can talk about that. But there's a big concept in light of this whole issue of forgiveness that I want to pull out of this. And it is this, that when dealing with offenses, don't ignore them. Okay? This is something that really jumps out 
of this passage is that forgiveness doesn't mean that you shrug it off or ignore it, but it means that you deal with it. You deal with it responsibly. You talk it out if possible. Try to restore. And here's a big one. Get others involved if necessary. So when we're talking about forgiveness, forgiveness isn't just, ah, it never happened, just suppressing it and blowing it off. He says, no, when dealing with others, talk it out. Maybe even get others involved. Don't ignore it. Okay? So he he goes and he gives another story. Here we go. Matthew 18, 21. Then Peter says, after these two conversations, Peter comes up to him and says, well, Jesus, let me ask you a question, Lord. How many times should I forgive somebody who offends me? How many times should I forgive a brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times, right? That's pretty good. I mean, think about it. That's a lot. I mean, if someone does something wrong to you, if someone like, you know, four, five, six times, man, that's a, if you've got grace for six times, that's awesome. But then seventh time, pow, right, Jesus? Seventh time I get to take him down, right? Well, you know, the Jewish custom only gave them up to four times. In Jewish custom, you were allowed to literally, I have to fit that in in every message, you have to uh, literally take them out, you get to after four times. So here it is in Jewish custom, that's one, that's two, that's three, and that's four. Say hello to my little friend, right? You're like, you're ready to take them out. So they thought, Jesus, seven times, that's pretty good. That's like almost double what our religious custom says. You think Jesus would say, good job, Peter. Man, you got a good heart, man. You're going double. This is what he says. He says, no, I tell you, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Now, a lot of people, they automatically got their phone doing the calculations. All right, 490 times I can let someone tick me off, right? 490 times, and then at 491, Jesus gives me the liberty to pow, right? Jesus gives me the, no, this is not about a number, but this is rather a bigger than a number idea here. He's saying, you know what? Keep forgiving, stop counting. If he had said six times, I think Jesus would have said six times 60. It wouldn't have mattered. If he said eight, but eight times 80, he says, you know what? Just multiply it to the nth degree. That's how many times you keep on forgiving. Now, if I were Peter, I'd be like, now that's almost impossible, Jesus. Well, from here, Jesus gives a parable about forgiveness. Immediately, he goes into this parable in verse 23. He says, therefore, because he's talking about what he just talked about. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like this. This is how the kingdom of heaven works. He says, this is how we do it. He says, (laughs) he says, he says it's like 10,000 bags of gold, 100 silver coins, and a ticked off king. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold 
was brought to him. Now, 10,000 bags of gold is the equivalent of, it is basically a 10,000 bags of, of talents, which is a type of coin, and it is the equivalent of $600 million. So a guy who, I don't even know how you rack up $600 million in debt. This was multiple lifetimes worth of debt. How in the world did he get to that point? Well, he had $600 million of debt. This man was brought to him. And since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. By the way, this is about our offenses and about our sins. And, you know, your sins do deeply affect your family, by the way. You think, you know what, this is just my problem. No, this is your family's problem. And, and ultimately, it causes damage to everyone involved, your children, your spouse. So here's the idea. Basically, there was no bankruptcy at the time of Christ. They didn't have a, a chapter 13 or chapter 7. They had what was called debtor's prison. And what they would do is they would arrest you and put you into prison until you rotted or until your friends and family could work hard enough to pay back all the money that was owed. And oftentimes, family and wives and spouses were were sold as slaves in order to pay back the debt. So let's just, we can, we can pretty much agree that they probably didn't rack up their credit cards. I think less of us would, would go into debt uh, if we knew that possibly our kids would be made slaves for it. Well, that was their time, and this man, not able to pay, verse 26, at this the servant fell on his knees before him, and he said, be patient with me. He said, please, be patient with me. He begged, I will pay back everything. And I'm thinking, no, you won't. It's impossible. How in the world does he think he will ever pay back $600 million? It's impossible. But yet he's begging, I'll pay back everything. He's attempting to pay a debt he could not pay. It was impossible. Well, the servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. The end. No, it's not the end. But you'd think this guy would have, would have had the best day in his life. This was a good day, right? You go home, you hug your family, and then you go out to an expensive dinner and start the process of racking up debt again, right? No. But... Rather it being a good day, this guy was quite ungrateful in verse 28. He says, but then that servant went out and he found one of his fellow servants. Everybody, if you've got a Bible circle, fellow servants. This is someone who is on an equal level with him. He, this, is, this is the master had forgiven him of his debt, but he found someone who was a fellow servant who owed him a hundred silver coins. Now, a hundred silver coins is the equivalent of a few months' work. That is a denarii, and that's about $6,000 today. So basically, he had $600 million of debt, and this fellow servant owed him about three months' paycheck, $6,000. He grabbed him, and he began to choke him. 
He didn't just corner him and say, you owe me money. He began to choke him, and he said, pay back what you owe me. He demanded. Now, immediately, Jesus is telling this story, and immediately, you know, the disciples are going to go, that guy is a sleazeball. That guy is so much a jerk. Verse 29, his fellow servant fell to his knees, and he said the same thing. He said, please, be patient with me. I will pay it back. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Here's the difference, though. He could have actually paid it back. He could have actually paid this back. This was something he could pay. So he had pity on him, and he gave him a big hug. No, that's not what happened. He says, no. He says, but he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, They ignored it and were glad it wasn't them. No, they did what Matthew 18 says, and they got involved. It says they were outraged, and they went and told their master everything that had happened. And Q ticked off king. Verse 32, then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed over, uh, handed him over to the jailers to be tortured. That's when you want to underline in your Bible there, you don't tortured. And now we're not talking just waterboarding. This is until you pay back what he owed. How long? Well, he owed $600 million. That was going to be for the rest of his life. He was never getting out. The next thing is the reality of the kingdom when it comes to forgiveness. And this is a very, very difficult verse. And this is what Jesus had told this story to Peter, who just said, how many times should I forgive? 490 times? Jesus says, no, forever. He says, this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you. How will he treat us? Hmm, Just go back a verse. This is how the Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. That means deeply and sincerely forgive. Now we read that and we think, well, Jesus didn't really mean that. He said, man, he says the heavenly Father will torture us. And put us into kind of some spiritual-like prison state. Now, we know the rest of the parables. We've been going over them if you've been with us. If you haven't, well, the kingdom parables lay out a very powerful principle of the kingdom. And then they usually almost always detail an, an end where there's a separation between those who follow God and are into the kingdom and those who deny God and who are in eternal judgment. So you have eternal kingdom or eternal judgment. And Jesus brings it right back to the same principle again. There is eternal kingdom and there is eternal judgment and he says this is what will happen if you do not forgive those in your life sincerely and deeply now some of you are like well jesus didn't really mean that um i can imagine you might have been in the crowd uh jesus that's could you say it in it maybe you should say it like this that it would be like this really bad thing it would be really bad if you didn't forgive somebody and it would be really, it would make the father sad. Jesus, say it like that because this 
is really harsh. That king paid a debt that could never be paid, much like Christ has for us. And we're, we're like, God, I'll pay you back. God, uh, forgive me. I'll pay you back. I'll, I'll pay you back. We can't pay back $600 million. Our sin debt is so big. We can't pay it back. And we're already guilty and we're already condemned according to the Bible in our sins. Jesus came to rescue us from that condemnation. Our sin has already condemned us. We can't pay it back. We can't buy our way out of this. But Jesus steps forward. He pays the debt on the cross. And if we acknowledge his payment, he stamps our life paid in full. And he pays a debt that we could not pay. And the, debt, and, the, and the debt is forgiven, and I'm free of a debt I could never pay or ever repay. I cannot pay back what he's done for me. But what, what do we do in life is that we tend to um, decide who should be forgiven and who should not. And we think, well, people do us wrong, and you are a kind, humble, gentle person, so I will forgive you, but you are a jerk, and you will not get my forgiveness because you do not deserve it. And, and we, we do exactly what this selfish servant did, and we decide who we're forgiving, and then we read the parable and think, Jesus didn't really mean that. Here's a ground rule. Forgiveness starts with a look in the mirror. Forgiveness starts with a look in the mirror. Forgiveness matters. Forgiving others is so important. Jesus says it can even determine who gets in. It's not just a good thing. Forgiveness is not the gold package for the really good people. Forgiveness is essential to getting into the kingdom of God. And if we want to get this worked out, if we want to know what true kingdom Forgiveness is, it begins with a look in the mirror. In Matthew 18, he told this servant, he says, Servant, did I not forgive you a great debt? He says, look in the mirror. If he'd have looked in the mirror before he had choked his other fellow servant, things might have been different for him. If I'm in that story and you owe me $6,000, I'm angry because I got to be honest with you, the times are hard. I could really use $6,000. But if I look in the mirror, I realize that I have been forgiven $600 million. And it's kind of funny that when we look in the mirror, we tend to see how great we are. Most of us do not struggle with low self-esteem. We look in the mirror and we go, yeah, these are things that I've done, but that wasn't really me. I was drunk. Or I was a jerk. Or I was, you know wasn't thinking straight or I was overcome by temptation in that moment or it's not who I really am. That wasn't me. Hey, here's, write this down. It's you. You're a sinner. So am I. We're horrible people. And that was you who did that. That was you who said that. That was you who went there. That was you who made that fist. It was your words. But we like to explain away our sin. We've been forgiven much. 
This is what Ephesians 4.32 says. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive each other just as Christ forgave you. Look in the mirror. How has Christ forgiven you? Similarly, Colossians 3.13 says, Bear with one another. Forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. We read this and we think, well, Jesus, I'll try. I know I need to. I'll, I'll try. And Jesus answers in his Yoda voice, no, try, do. <laughs> we think we see these as options. These are not options. You know, try, do. We, we are to do it. Matthew 6, we know of this prayer called the Lord's Prayer. Even if you're not a church-going person, you maybe have heard of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Here's the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the Lord's Prayer right up here. Take a look at this. But he says, uh, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day our daily bread. But then it says, and forgive us our debts as we, <laughs> I love this, as we Forgive our debtors. That means that we forgive those who have robbed us, who have offended us, who have sinned against us. And I love it. Do you do realize what you're praying? You're praying, God, forgive me the same way I forgive my boss. God, forgive me the same way I forgive my parents. God, forgive me the same way I forgave my ex-husband. God, forgive me the same way that I forgive my brother or my neighbor. Do you really want that? Because that is what the Lord asks us to pray. In the Lord's Prayer, He asks us to pray in a way that is actually condemning to ourselves when we don't look in the mirror. And then just so we don't miss it, the very next verse after the Lord's Prayer is about forgiveness. And it says, For If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Yeah, but Jesus didn't literally mean that. We read that and we think, well, Jesus didn't really mean that. It's just kind of figurative. It's just kind of symbolic that we really need to forgive people. It doesn't really mean that if I don't, he won't forgive me. Yes, it does. He says it again and again and again. And in the parable, he says it again. He says, if you don't forgive, he won't forgive. This is not something that's a good idea. This is essential to our relationship with God. This is not an option. Take a good look in the mirror is the place to start. And if you struggle with remembering your past, your sin, try this. Take a sin walk. Larry Osborne had mentioned this, and this is great. He says, take a sin walk. He says, when you struggle to forgive, take a walk and remember as far back as you can every single hurtful thing and wrong thing you've ever done. From the, from the earliest childhood memories to yesterday, think of everything you ever did that was wrong and hurtful. And you'll realize you have been forgiven 600 million dollars in debt. Forgiveness starts with a good look in the mirror. What do you see?
Here's another ground rule is that forgiveness is never easy. And this is important to realize is that when someone says, well, just forgive. It's easy. I do it all the time. Just forgive. You know what you need to do? You just need to forgive. Oh, okay. I'm done. I'm glad you told me. I need to do. Just do that. Let me, let me tell you something. It's not easy. It cuts deep. If forgiveness was easy, and if justice is not needed, then why would Jesus go to the cross for our forgiveness? Because forgiveness hurts. If forgiveness were easy, Christ would have not needed to go to the cross for us. Jesus never asks us to do anything he has not done while on the cross. Luke 23 says, when they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there. They nailed seven-inch spikes into his hands and to his feet, hung him on a cross to be pecked at by birds, naked and ashamed before people to die criminals' death, though he was innocent and sin-free. They crucified him there along with criminals, one on his right, one on the left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. Even the ones driving the nails, yes, God, forgive them. Even the ones who, who, who beat you senselessly, yes. Those who ran out on you, all those disciples who said they would never leave you, Father, forgive them. So the next time you tell me, well, I just can't let this one go. Well, I think you need to talk to Jesus and tell him why that one It's just too hard to forgive. I think he might be able to encourage you and at the same say, it's not easy. Here's another rule before we get down to what forgiveness does look like is I want you to write this down. Forgiveness is when there is no excuse. Forgiveness is when there is no excuse. That man was guilty. The justice was fair by the law. He owed $600 million dollars. He was wrong, no excuses. Oftentimes, we think we've forgiven when we haven't. We're like, well, you know what? I just kind of walk in forgiveness. I wasn't invited, but hey, you know what? No big deal. You know, I forgive them. You know, yeah, they said some things behind my back, but you know what? I just got to let it go. You know, life's too short to hold on to stuff. You know, well, you know, this person lied to me. Ah, well, you know, just, just let it go. Life is too short to hold on to grudges. It's not that big a deal. Well, that's not forgiveness. You've just decided that certain things are not a big deal. And that's a good way to live. Well, others think that they've uh, forgiven somebody when somebody has done them wrong. And then when they come to them and they, they, they say, well, you know what, here's what happened. And you find out what really happened. And you know what, you know, that's reasonable. I understand now why that happened. And uh, you think, well, you know, I've forgiven them. No, you didn't. You found a reasonable reason why the offense happened. And, and what happened there is, is you basically you, 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 you just understood the offense. You didn't have to forgive them necessarily in the context of the Bible parable here because forgiveness is when there is no excuse and, and when it cuts deep to the point that they are guilty, 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 and you know that forgiveness is truly needed because the person is guilty and has no excuse for it. It can't be explained away. It is a big deal. That's when you know forgiveness is needed. And we know that's when it gets hard. 
You know, as I was working on this this week, I have to search my heart. And whenever I talk about forgiveness, I have to go through all the relationships that I have. And I've been in ministry for a long time. And I've been doing ministry for 25 years, been a pastor for about 20 years. And, and uh, I got to tell you something, a lot of people have hurt me. And I have to continually take this to the Lord because I would be a hypocrite and we'll have to stand before God one day unless I learn to forgive and let, and not just let go, but forgive. And, and it is a big deal. These are people that did me wrong, but I have to forgive. Here's an illustration. This is my heart. This is my heart. And uh, my heart is pretty special to me and important to me. And Sean is a good friend of mine, and I really love Sean. Sean... You're a good friend, and I trust you with my heart, man. Oh, thanks. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm going to give Sean my heart. And uh, I trust him with, with my heart. I trust him in that relationship, and I trust that he's not going to talk badly about me or, um, or abuse that relationship. So I'm just going to kind of give that to him and let him do with my life, with my heart, with my trust, what he feels like is appropriate. So that's a good thing to do. Right. Dude, man. Why do you want to do that? He's just created a debt. <laughs> the, the, the concept of our life is we have this part of our life that we entrust to people. And sometimes it's given willingly. And sometimes it's stolen from us. And then... It's abused. And what happens is what they've taken from us, the Bible considers a, a debt that has been created. And immediately I'm thinking, you will pay for this. You will pay for that. I want it fixed. I want it repaired. And I want to give them back to me. A debt is created. And some of you have been robbed of your trust. Some of you have been robbed of your innocence. Some of you have been robbed of love. And forgiveness does not mean it wasn't painful. It means just the opposite. It acknowledges that it is painful. Forgiveness says what you did hurt me. And it cuts deep. So what do we do with it? Here's a couple of principles. Kingdom forgiveness. Here's what it is. Kingdom forgiveness is first of all this. Let's take a look at what it does not mean. Forgiveness doesn't mean forgetting. <laughs> We're like, you know what? I'm just going to forget it ever happened. I'm just going to forget what my dad did. I'm going to forget what that person said to me. I'm going to forget what my best friend did. I'm just going to forget it because that's forgiveness, just forgetting it. It doesn't mean that we pretend it never happened. In fact, it says in that first story, the Matthew 18, it says that we don't forget it. We don't shrug it off, but we need to deal with it. Man, I was always told growing up that God, when he forgives, he forgets, right? You've heard that before, right? There's a passage in Jeremiah. Here's a, it's up on the screen. It says, I will forgive your wickedness and remember their sins no more. And I was always told, well, you know what? When you give your life to Jesus, he forgives and he just forgets. And when you try to bring it up, he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like God has amnesia. 
and that somehow you know more than God and that your knowledge surpasses the knowledge of God. Obviously, this passage does not mean that he forgets the, the translation there actually, remember, means he will not respond to your sin. It means it's not about a memory issue. God knows all things. He remembers all things. He, you know what? He has the knowledge of the sin that you are forgiven of. He just does not hold it against you. Romans 8 says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That means your sins are not condemning you. They're not judged against you anymore. In, in Genesis 8, 1, for instance, when, when uh, Noah was out on the ark, and, and then it says, and then God remembered Noah. God's not in heaven going, oh, Noah, oh, forgot all about him. That flood and everything got me so distracted. He didn't go, oh, my, me. <laughs> Think that one out. That's kind of funny. Basically, it means that God will respond to Noah. God knows all things. When we read the Bible and we read about the sins of someone like David, and we go like, David, remember when David, uh, God, remember when David did, no, could you remind me? Because I don't remember. I just forgot. God remembers. And guess what? Forgiveness does not mean we forget. Those that have offended you, you might remember forever. Here's the second thing you want to realize about forgiveness. Forgiveness doesn't mean trusting someone again. doesn't mean that you have to trust them. Oh, it's no big deal. Here's another knife to stab me in the back with. Here's more money to blow. <laughs> Here's the keys to my house. Here's my phone number. Here's my heart to hurt again. No. Forgiveness is not forced trusting again. Actually, trust is earned. A great Proverbs, Proverbs 14, 15 says, The simple believe anything, but the prudent give thought to their steps. It's a great verse that basically says, The person who is not wise trusts and believes everything that somebody tells them, but a wise person thinks through the steps of another person. Thinks through. Now, if you've been hurt, you're not obligated to trust that person again. Forgiveness is not giving a person a chance to hurt you again. It's giving them a chance to earn their trust back again. Not everyone has the right to family dinners. Trust is earned. Here's our responsibility. When someone hurts you, Matthew Five, Jesus says this. When somebody hurts you, here's what you do. doesn't say trust them. It says this. He says, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Those that hurt you, love them and pray for them. That's it. Those that have abused you, love them, pray for them. doesn't say trust them. Love them and pray for them. Here's a third thing about forgiveness. does not mean that there are no consequences. Forgiveness does not mean no consequences. Forgiveness does not remove the consequences of that person's mistake, does it? Or your mistake, by the way. In fact, this is what it says. David was called out, man. Many of you guys know a, a guy in the Old Testament, the greatest king of Israel. His name was David, but he blew it big time. He committed adultery, not only on his wife, but on another man's wife. 
and he got this woman pregnant. And then to cover it up, he went and had her husband sent to the front line so that he could die. And then he welcomed this lady into his arm like he was being a good, caring servant looking out for people. But actuality, he was covering up his sin. He took her to be his wife. And then a prophet, Nathan, cornered him on it and said, you have sinned. David repented. He tore his clothes, fell on the ground, said, God, forgive me. And God forgave him, but not without consequences. Look at this. It says in 2 Samuel twelve ten. Now, therefore, this is what Nathan says back to David. He says, now, therefore, the sword will never depart from your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. This is what the Lord says. Out of your own household, I'm going to bring calamity on you. Before your very, before your very eyes, I will take your wives and give them to the one who is close to you, and he will sleep with your wives in broad daylight. Basically, there's a prophecy saying that there will be people in your family that will have relationship with your wife. And it happened, one of his own sons had slept with his stepmom. And he says, calamity will fill your house. There'll be a sword. There's constant fighting. He had sons that murdered another son. He had a son that raped his own sister. David's life was filled with calamity because David could not get his own life together in this area. He says, what you did in secret, I will do this thing in broad daylight and before all of Israel. But he says, but I was sorry. But I said I was sorry. He says, then David said to Nathan, I've sinned against the Lord. I said I was sorry. The Lord has taken away your sin, Nathan says. You're not going to die. But because by doing this, you have shown your utter contempt for the Lord, the son born to you will die. So this little baby that he'd gotten Bathsheba pregnant with, the baby died shortly after he was born. And a lot of it had to do with just the, this whole contempt, his disobedience. Here's the deal. God forgives us, but he lets us deal with the consequences of our sin. When you forgive somebody, it doesn't mean you have to erase the consequences from what they have done to you or the consequences, the consequences that they have laid for their own lives. A son, a daughter, a friend, a family member, they still have to live with the consequences. See, this, we read these and we go, man, I like this idea of forgiveness, right? I will never forget you. And I know, oh, man, that's going to dig deep inside because I hate you. I'll never forget. And uh, boy, does it hurt. So you know what? The consequences will be great. I like this idea of forgiveness according to the Bible. So we think that this is what forgiveness is like. Let me get some of this over here. Is that we think forgiveness is like this. All right. Uh, let's see, my dad. Okay. Yeah, there was a lot. Um, my, my mom, not as much, but I'm sure I could think of a couple things. And then my brother, my boss, my neighbor. My dog, my son, my daughter. Well, it's just adding them all up. That's not all for my daughter. Uh, and um, 
Uh, Jeff, Sean, Chris, my wife, Mike. <laughs> Love keeps no record of wrong. <laughs> but this is what we do. We're like, hey, you're at a dinner and you're having fun, and all of a sudden someone walks in that you know. And you're talking to somebody at the table, and all of a sudden they say some wisecrack about your kids, and you're just smiling and adding up. I won't forget. I've got the tally. The consequences are there. And this is what we this is how we walk through it. We've got this adding machine in our back pocket. We're keeping tally of everybody that ever said something wrong to us at work. Someone that ever did something wrong to us at school, to our parents, and to our friends, and to, you know, and then we think, oh, well, this is forgiveness. This is forgiveness. I'm going to save that. I'm going to put that in a file, and when it comes to dealing with you, I will pull it out, and I will remember it. We think that somehow the forgiveness is tearing it off and keeping it and filing it away. Now, here are three things. We need to wrap this up quickly. Three things that forgiveness is. And this is how we know we've forgiven. Is number one, forgiveness means refusing to seek revenge. Refusing to seek revenge. A lot of times we don't want to forgive. We want them to pay. And we want them to pay deeply. And the best person to make them pay is me, right? Is you. We think no one can make that person hurt the way they hurt me like the way I can hurt them. So you know what we do? We do the same thing to them that they did to us. They talk bad about me. Well, I'm going to talk bad about them. They don't want a relationship with me. Well, I don't want a relationship with them either. They're going to be rude to me. Well, I'm going to be rude to them. Well, they're a jerk. Well, I'm going to be a jerk to them. We do the same thing to a degree. Romans 12:17 says, Do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right. In the eyes of everyone, even when hurt, do the right thing. He says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, that means do everything within your power to live at peace with everyone. Here's the deal. We have got to do our very best to live a life of peace with the people who hate us and with the people who have hurt us within our our, our best ability, do everything within your means. That means even when they are mean, even when they are abusive, even when they are jerks of people, even when they're the kind of people that you, uh, you're adding up, do everything within your power to be at peace with them. He says this, he goes on to say, he says, do not take revenge, my dear friends but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. God will take care of it. On the contrary, he says, this is our role. Someone's defended you, God will deal with the revenge. Our role is this. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap 
coals on their head. And you're like, yeah, because that's what I want. I want the coals on their head, baby. Well, this is not about heaping violence and judgment on them. This is about bringing healing to them. This is a symbol of healing. And he says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Forgiveness is believing God can deal out justice better than we can. God is a God of justice and vengeance, and he will be your vindicator. Second Timothy 4.14, the Apostle Paul says this. He's calling names. He's making a list. He says, Alexander, the metal worker, you guys all know him? We don't, but he did. And the people who he was writing to, Timothy knew. This is Paul writing to Timothy. He says, you know, Alexander, that metal worker jerk, dude, he did me a great deal of harm. We don't know what it is. We don't know what he did. But he says, the Lord will repay him for what he has done. I'm moving on. And this is the second concept of forgiveness is that forgiveness means refusing to be consumed by the past. It's saying, you know what? What they did was wrong. I will let the Lord deal with it. I'm moving on. It's refusing to live in the past. Stop playing it over and over in your mind. Stop repeating it over and over. If you'd had that moment... Stop thinking about what you would have said, what you could have said, what you should have done. Move forward. Ephesians 1.17 says, In him, Christ Jesus, we have redemption. That means we've been purchased and made valuable. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's glory. We trade our past, our sin, and the wrongs done to us. We trade them, and he redeems them for something valuable. He redeems us and says, yeah, you were hurt, you were abused, you were misplaced, you know, you were talked badly about, you were lied against. Just give it to me, and I will redeem your life. Give it to me and I will give back to you something of value through the blood that was shed for you. We trade our past, our sins, and the wrongs done. His forgiveness gives us the freedom to forgive in the present and in the future. Forgiveness begins with putting your life, your past, your future in the hands of Jesus who loves you and knows your past. There in the hands of Jesus, you can see the past in a new perspective and a new hope for the future. Here's the last thing, and I want to end with this, that forgiveness means giving to others what God gave you. This kind of goes right back to the mirror. Forgiveness means giving others what God gave to you. What did God give you? He gave you a chance to start over. He gave you a new beginning. He gave you a chance to love again. He gave you a chance to trust again. You know, if if someone here is in bad health and you've lived your whole life just eating horribly, when you give your life to Jesus, he forgives you, but you still have the consequences of your health. You know, if you committed a crime and and maybe you, you were a drunk driver or you a drug addict and you hurt somebody, When you give your life to Christ, God forgives you, but you still have to deal with the consequences, right? And some of you, maybe maybe you are in a position where you have have had to deal with some pain in your life. Uh, Maybe you committed adultery or something. And you know what? When you give your life to God, he forgives you, but your wife may not, right? You have to deal with the consequences. And that's what God gives us. And guys, 
That's what we can give others. We can give them a chance to start over and forgive them, but that doesn't necessarily mean goes back to that consequence thing. We give them what God gave us, a chance to start over. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. Now, you remember my heart? That debt that was created? Uh, you know, you owe me my heart, Sean. You owe me a level of trust. You owe me, but you know what? There are just some things that people have robbed from you that they can't ever pay back. They can't give back to you that trust. They, some people, they can't give back to you those years. They can't give back to you your innocence. There are some things that have been robbed that you just cannot get back from them. And it will tear you up inside if you keep that list if you keep that tally, if you keep it with you everywhere you go, it will tear you up. It will kill you. The problem is because most of these things cannot be paid back, the revenge that you're taking is a revenge on yourself. Forgiveness is knowing that Jesus, check this out, is that Jesus paid your debt on the cross for what you have done and what others have stolen. And it restores your life and heals you and can restore what others have taken. You know what? People have mistrust, uh, abused my trust and my heart and my love. But the Lord, he pays it back through the cross and gives me a new heart again. And here's the deal. Because I got a new one from Jesus, I'm not asking Sean for one back. Because I find that forgiveness is knowing that God gave me a debt that I could not pay and restored the debt that was stolen from me, from others. And forgiveness is releasing and seeking pay. And I love this concept of forgiveness. Forgiveness does not accept the offense. It does not allow you to allow it to happen again. It does not mean you will forget. It means you will not seek payment. It means the debt is paid. Yours and theirs, and you no longer keep a tally because the debt's been paid. And when we experience this, the Holy Spirit gives us the power to forgive. I want to read one verse to you, and then we're going to close with this verse. Forgiveness is way more important than you think. That parable that Jesus shared, Matthew 18, verse 32, says this. It says, Then the master called the servant, and he says, You wicked servant. I canceled. Everybody circle cancel if you have your Bible. I canceled that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I have on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not in any way trying to dive into some theological deep question here about our sins when it comes to forgiveness. But notice this. The king had forgiven him of $6 million in debt. But when he would not forgive others, he reinstated that debt on him again. Do you, do you, listen to that for just a second. I will not forgive. Well, then you get it back again. And you will be judged now according to everything that you owe again. 
That's Jesus' words. Verse 35, this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother and sister from your heart. So let me ask you today, who do you need to forgive? Who is it? That friend at school, that that co-worker, your boss, your ex, your parents, your kids, your children, your neighbor, your brother, your sister, that family event that went terribly wrong. What do you need to let go and let God have? Father, help us today to find forgiveness. God, you have forgiven us of so much. Lord, help us to forgive others the way that you have given forgiveness to us. Lord, let us give to others what you have given us. This is not an option. This is your words declaring to us that we must and have to forgive. It's a kingdom principle. It's not a suggestion, Lord. Through the power of the Spirit of God, we can do that because you have forgiven us. Now we can release that debt. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to give it to Sean for a second, and uh, I'll be back in a minute. Thank you for listening to the Living Way Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.